So you're a fan of Atlanta United. And you heard ATL on Fire has crazy insights to your favorite team. Or maybe you're just here for the crazy. Amar said it? You've got to be kidding me. Nah, I'm here to produce, keep the sanity, and of course, drink wine. Or maybe to hit the buttons. And crank up the crazy. Whatever you're here for, we're going to talk about it all. I'm Dave Cass. I'm Mikey Dobbs. And I'm Carmen Butler. And this is... The ATL on Fire Podcast Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United Football Club. Dave, how's it going? Good, how are you? I am hanging in there, um, and we are not joined by Carmen this evening. What? A special guest. Oh no. We have uh, Simon Katz, who's our editor, new editor on the YouTube channel, right Dave? Is he related to me? I doubt it. <laughs> no, for those like of it. you out there, um, Simon Katz, uh, my son, has been uh, behind the scenes editing our YouTube channel for a while, and he's filling in for Carmen tonight as producer, and hopefully later as special European football correspondent. Welcome, Simon, to the podcast. Thank you all for uh, having me tonight. Thanks, Simon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about kind of the silly season in Europe where we're in the final handful of games to decide The promotion. silly season is technically the, the transfer. transfer you're right. I, I know, mean, but come it, on. it is the silly season <laughs> right. too. Um, so Dave, uh, as always, you've brought a excellent wine and that looks like a new bottle. We haven't had this before. No, it's a new one for us. Uh, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, the Alexander Valley in California. It's a headline. What do you think? I like it. As always, you, you uh, pick wine that is right in my wheelhouse. This so. one I thought was especially in your wheelhouse because mm-hmm. it's, it's big really isn't the right word. It's humongous. Yeah. <laughs> very, very rich, fruity goodness. But we would be remiss if we didn't say that yesterday when we were at the game, hanging out with all the supporters, including our sponsor, Nick from Wild Heaven, Nick Purdy. And uh, we were enjoying some Wild Heaven beer at the tailgate. Yeah, we uh, got down there and it got to experience the uh, the new supporters group a lot for the first time. Uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, uh, perfect for opening the roof in the Mercedes Benz. Yes. actually did. and they opened the roof. <laughs> and supposedly the supporters section doesn't like it because they get blazed yeah. with the sun. Um, the rumors of it not being able to open were greatly exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> so. We, uh, we had a nice little lead-in before we went into the stadium, got to meet some, some of the supporters. and uh, We were amongst our people. Yes. Uh, if you're out there listening to the podcast tonight, and we were talking to you uh, uh, yesterday, welcome aboard. Yes, welcome to the fire. Please, as always, try to join. We drop the audio portion of our podcast typically on Monday nights, if we are able to schedule as, as we plan on recording on Monday nights. But... Um, you know, this will this full recording will be available on YouTube as well. And then as Simon is able to find time, we'll cut them into smaller little nuggets, right? That uh, are roll. easier to view with your shortest. You can find us anywhere. Attention span. <laughs> so, Dave, we ended up getting a win. Uh, <laughs> what? May, maybe a win that... Uh, no, surely we tied. <laughs> did not feel uh, too much like a win. So I, I have some notes Uh-oh. to go through um, on, on just kind of where my head was 
uh, with this game. Let me see here. So yeah, the banner says a dicey home yeah. win. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think so, that's right. Well, hey, it was a win. Okay, yeah, wins a win. That's right. It was it was uh, three points. Right. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, it's better to win. It was painful <laughs> to watch. Uh, yeah. I am happy we won, but I'm very worried about uh, the team. Uh, and if, in why is that, Mike? Well, wor- what did you see? I'm worried about that. I will get to that. I'm this. I'm just going to go on a little bit of a rant here. So just okay. be patient with me on my bullets. <laughs> I'm ready. Chicago is a terrible soccer team. <laughs> Agree. So we got lucky, even under those circumstances. Agree again. Our fullbacks <laughs> keep going up like airplanes with little impact while creating no while creating defensive exposure at, at cost. Agree again. Uh, it was clear Chicago was going to draw it up one to one late on. What? Atlanta played down to their level. The 17s no. cheering at the end brought the energy, I think, which brought the lucky, yes. lucky goal. Yes. So Kudos to the fans for still bringing it in the 90th minute when we needed that energy. Heck yeah. It it made a difference, people. Heck Um, yeah. But overall, it was not an entertaining soccer game. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Yakos Yakos was probably the only entertainment. Um, Fair. And uh, he has tied the MLS record for the most goals and starts. Uh, as a player. right on good for him you say yako i say makis yako makis yako makis that's more chance and let's go <laughs> let's keep this chance simple and do more player chance people that's another good one um i think he also has five yellow cards simon might want to look that up on his phone separately so i think he's got five goals yes, and five yellow cards and, and i don't know what point you ha- you get suspended a game but Feels right. It I don't know. It should be about then. <laughs> no, actually, I think maybe that suggests that he didn't quite have his fifth because I think yeah. it is five yells and then you're suspended. Yeah. So maybe he only has four. Maybe yeah. you, it seems like he has five. Yeah. You know, but yeah. <laughs> maybe not. So hopefully uh, it's not as hammy. Dave, you th- think it was a strategically timed sub. I'm still not sure when he kind of just sat on the ground and, and went out in the 60 or 70th minute there. Atlanta United did not move the ball with purpose, um, did not look clean, not a lot of urgency outside of Yako, right? I can't really say that anybody had a great game or a strong game. And particularly when I think uh, Amar Sedek should be subbed on. (laughs) What? That's saying a lot. I told you, people, <laughs> yeah, if you're out there listening to the podcast, the real Mikey Dobbs is kidnapped somewhere out in the I Caribbean know. on a Disney cruise. Shoot. Princesses, give us back the real Mikey Dobbs. Pineda keeps doing the same <laughs> thing that doesn't maximize our talent. I don't think Arujo's soccer IQ is very good, and I'm not sure he's going to progress under Pineda. Miguel Berry should just be cut from the team. <laughs> people now think that Diop might be good. But I think those people are probably wrong. <laughs> he had a nice block at one point, but no. uh-huh. I hope Westberg is. Tell o- us what you really think. I hope Westberg is okay, and we'll be back next weekend. But I'm not sure. I think Abram needs a chance. Gutman had a really off night, and we need new chance like we just did. Yaku. Okay, Yaku's. so so here's the thing. So it turns out Celtic. Already oh, has right. a Yakamaki's chant you send to me the article. tune of 99 Red Balloons, the 1980s yeah. hit. It goes, Yakamaki's comes from Greece. When he plays, he scores with ease. He leads the line. He plays up top. Our number seven gift from God. Hey. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's something. It's a player chant. I don't know. Simon, what do you think of that chant? 
A, B, C, or D? Uh, I mean, that sounds like a good chance to me. Yakimakis right. comes from Greece. When he plays, he scores with ease. He leads the line. He plays up top. Our number seven gift from God. I mean, you, come on. You, you can sing. No, I can't. It's pretty catchy. It's pretty if yeah, if it's I can good. sing it, though, that means yeah, that it's real easy. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. You know, we've been talking about this for a long, long time, right? And, you know, about our supporters club culture. And we love the supporters club. We were, again, we were amongst our people yesterday, which was amazing. But, you know, why can't we get songs for individual players and i appreciate you know you came up with the yakamakis yakamakis but uh, and i like that because in this stadium it is difficult to get everybody singing together it's huge um it's particularly big um for for a football stadium and so fair enough right um but you know, call and response would work, yeah. and they can be specific to players. Because, I mean, us average people up in the stands, like the supporter groups are crushing it. They're chanting, they're singing, they're dancing. They might even be doing a song, and most of the stadium might not hear it, right? So, Plus, the other thing, if you do it for players, then you wouldn't get the rote madness that we have. And I, to be honest with you, you can tell from the fans that they're getting a little bored with it, right? Because we do the exact same chant at the exact same time, right? Yeah. So the, the Vikings clap the atl we do at the 40th minute of the first half every single time right and so the problem with that is that it doesn't it doesn't respond to the game right so if you just gave up a big goal early on let's say you're playing really well you get hit with a sucker punch you need the, you know, the, the supporters club need to act like another player on the field. So that's when you can go to the Viking clap because it gets people pumped up. There's that moment where nothing's happening when you're ready to kick off. So you don't get interrupted by the flow of the game. So what I'm urging you is please use the crowd for the moments. You know, we need a little coaching from the supporters group. I agree. Even if that means like handing out, um, uh, you know, some digital barcode, so you, you're you're saving the planet, right? And you can get the lyrics on on your phone, so you know what the song actually is. Yeah, nowadays, like, how do we promote that when you walk in the stadium? And be like, here's here's the player chance. I know they have it on the mobile app, but I think they're kind of overcomplicated. Like, promote it in some way to be like. Yeah. You know, hey, make sure when you walk in the door, here's a barcode for the this you know the, your favorite player chant. Let's get it going. There, um, something. Um, okay. So out of all those bullets, I don't know where you want to go. Uh, you know, as as I said, I felt the game was pretty painful to watch. Uh, I, I know you did too because you were sitting next to me. But why was it a painful watch, Dave? Well, really interesting. You know, um, we last podcast we said you know Pineda deserves a ton of credit for realizing that we need three in the back. Right. And that was killing us all last year. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he had this weird unbalanced system where Goodman was staying back. Lennon was going forward. It was a little bit who knows what was going on when Goodman was out because Wiley was taking his place. But, um, you know, we went right back to our starters. We had Gutman and Lennon on the outside backs, and you thought they were going to go back to their system, but no. Right yeah, from the you, very you beginning. You pointed out from the kickoff, right? Both of them bombing down. Our, we got our airplanes back, and I was like, really? Now, here's the thing. Um, 
So Pineda clearly does realize that having two back is a problem for our team, right? And because what happened was the moment they went bombing forward, Sosa actually dropped from center midfield in between the front, uh, in between the back two, mm-hmm. right? So we were actually back three, three in, the, in back, the back, right? So, okay, fair enough. Yeah, right. So players, we had three but, in the back, but. Why go into players that are a similar skill set with, I mean, better skill set, frankly, with Araujo and Etienne, who are more, you're more natural wingers, forwards. Why, why, why push airplanes into your true airplane space? I don't get it. Okay, here it is. Right. So Araujo has been a complete non factor, right? Yeah. Please, please stop. Basically optimizing our team for Lennon and Gutman at the expense of Araujo. Here's my analogy. If you have a Ferrari in your garage, are you going to go tooling about trying to impress people with your Honda Accord and your uh, Toyota Camry? No. When you have a Adama <laughs> Traore on your team, you don't push other people into space. You have everybody shift it, transition Get out it out wide. Way. Get out of the way. Let him take people on and just push it past them. Right. And, now, we and, do have and, one. And, and accept when he makes a mistake, too, right? Because it's going to happen. Yeah, he's going to make a mistake. Now, we do have one problem, which is I really still think Araujo inverted is, is a nightmare. Yeah. He should be out on the left side. Now, the, the problem with that is that for some reason, so no teams in all of MLS and all of Europe really, it's really, really hard to find a really dynamic left-footed winger, right? So what do we do? We have three of them. Araujo, Wiley, Etienne, all left-footed, all wingers, right? We have three of them. Like, uh, who designed that on the roster, Yeah. right? Now, I get it that he were going to say play with one inverted or whatever, but... Um, yeah, he can cross the ball really well with his left foot out there on that natural side. Yeah, and he can run by people instead of just slowing up and coming in the middle. He can yeah. push it by people and try to run by them. So, so the other thing I'll say is about... You know, I think now that Pineda has maybe realized, so so he's maybe realized that we need to have three in the back. That's why Sosa was dropping in between the back two. I still don't love that because, again, the moment the ball turns over, Sosa's in between her back two instead of hunting in the middle of the field. But, you know, that, to be fair, that was what Tata was doing. He had... Um, our outside backs going forward too. And then he had uh, Lorenowitz or one of the defensive midfielders. It was um, um, Remedy for a while was dropping in between the back two, right? So that's not a uncommon thing. The thing that was different, and I would say to you, Pineda, here's the difference, right? So Tata, even when he really wanted those guys getting out early to give us an option, they weren't continuing to go all the way up to the front line. And so they weren't closing the space. If you had one of those guys closing down Almarone's space, he never would have gotten on the ball as much. Right. right? You don't want that. You got to get him on the ball, right? So what's happening now with Goodman and Lennon going forward is they're just crowding the space. Araujo and Etienne, in this case, the two outside wingers are the forward of the front three. They had no space. And so... There was zero dynamic. The only dynamic in that game was through the middle with Yakamakis. And if you notice, it's not just because Yakamakis is somehow a much better player than Araujo or Etienne. I think he's very good. But it's not that. He's just not getting crowded. So he has the room to drop into space and to go. Yeah. 
And it's just, you just watch the shape of the team from particular our seats where we're a little elevated on the second, second level. Uh, I just don't understand why, why we have to complicate things. A, a very clean four, four, three shape is what we should be seeing from our seats that is well organized. And, and you and I briefly talked about this in, in the stands there in the game that it's, you know, it is a, a problem for MLS in terms of seeing, a, you know, these teams stretched out a lot more than European soccer teams. You know, there's much more of an accordion early on in MLS games or at any given time. But to be honest with you, our only dangerous moments become when the game gets stretched yeah. because that's the first time, that's the only time that Araujo and Etienne have room. Yeah. Otherwise, when that's not happening, they're so crowded. The only when it, it, it works is when Goodman and Lennon have had to come so far back and they haven't yet gotten up forward. If we transition really quickly, then it becomes the dynamic that it should be all the time. Right. But the thing is, it shouldn't have to come because it happens to be we get the ball and go forward quickly. They should be able to watch the game and time that run and do that even when we're not transitioning. I just feel like when you look down and you see like a true back four, this team is going to should be impossible to score against, especially with social like that's. That's what I just. That's the picture I want to see in my head when I'm looking down. The and field. Lennon and Goodman don't have to be phenomenal defenders if they're back because they just take away options, yeah. right? And the back two are excellent. Sosa protects them well. I think, to be honest, you know, Jose too was awful in this game. I yeah. mean, just awful. I mean, I don't know what's happened to him, whether he's lost confidence or whether he wasn't a good player to begin with, but he was awful. And he doesn't defend. He was giving the ball away. I mean, it was just terrible. But, you know, so I think, to be honest, it should be Sosa behind Ibarra most yeah. of the time. And if you take that, that's a really defensive center midfield, yeah. right? And so then we got those attacking players. You're like, well, if that's defensive midfield, why wouldn't you send Lennon and Goodman? And I'm saying yes, but just do it one at a time and do it when it's on. Yeah. Don't go up there, stand there all alone and be static, right? Pick your spot, Lennon and Goodman. Wait, be patient to when it's on, and then go. Yeah, yeah. Because then, then you you have three in the back, and the luxury of Sosa or another midfielder if they're able to scramble back and give you four, you have four. Well, so what should happen is so let's say Lennon goes forward on that run, then the back three who are remaining would be Goodman, Parata, and Robinson. Yep. They just shift a little bit over, so they're three, yep. right? And so that way, it's really. It's Miles Robinson covering it in that case. And so you don't have crazy stuff like Ibarra or Sosa out of the center midfield trying to cover in for Lennon, right? So it's the guy who's already there. And then if Robinson goes out and it opens up a gap in the middle, you have Parata there. But if, let's say, there's something, whatever, Sosa can track a run and cover for that occasionally, no problem. Because that extra guy has to come from his spot anyway out of the midfield. Instead of him having to haul it all the way out to right back and haul it back in, as we talked about it, when you have that even if he goes and makes the play now Sosa's supposed to be playing to Sosa right and that's a problem right it's impossible so I don't know if you want to go to tactical board or just talk talk theory on how to watch a soccer game Dave do you you want to do a little segment on that well do you I do absolutely do you want to finish um some of the comments in the game or you want to return to them afterwards yeah let's let's save that till a little bit later so let me go back to a couple of my little hot flash notes here on the game so um, what, what about, uh, my comment on Chicago being a terrible soccer team? 
it was funny because so we were watching the game and so not only Atlanta United, you know, they, they actually had the better the play in the first half, but it wasn't that dangerous. We scored the goal. We had one more that was offside that came back. Um, but outside of that, we had a lot of possession. wasn't too great. But the first half was okay, right? I mean, I really thought too many times Lennon and Goodman were crowding it and it was killing the dynamic. But overall, we were okay in the first half. In the second half, we were absolutely atrocious. Chicago dominated us. And we kept saying, it is only a matter of time. Yeah. I took it in my notes and I said, if we don't score, we're getting tied for sure. And you actually said, <laughs> you actually recorded it. He said, let me record this. I don't know if you have that. I'll but see if I can find it. While you're, you're trying to pull that up, what I'll say is that you said, well, maybe Chicago's not even good enough when we, you know, are that bad to actually score a goal. And yeah. I said, don't worry, we'll make it even easier. You yeah, have it? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm checking it out here for the play. We're giving up the equalizer for sure. We deserve it. <laughs> there it was. I did find it. That was a good 10, 12 minutes before we gave up the equalizer. So, um, Simon, if you'll go to the actual clip, what I want to say is that what I said is that, you know, we'll find a way. We were so bad. We got, I'm like, I'm like, we may have to make it real easy for them, but yeah. we're, we were so bad that it was going to happen. So here we have the clip of the goal that we gave up. Right. And it's, uh, you know, unbelievable. Right. So Ibarra has come in the game at this point. Right. And <laughs> the Chicago player, the, the, the Polish guy, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his I name. Don't know. It's so hard to pronounce anyway. But anyway, the, um, he's offside. He never even got back onside. You'll see in the clip. Yeah. And Ibarra plays a ball back. Do you have any idea who he was playing no, to? No, I, I, it just was a brain fart. Because <laughs> he's, on, he's on the attacking half of the field. Yeah. So it's one thing if you're, you know, even, I mean. I don't even think there was much pressure on him. There wasn't a lot of pressure on him. So if you're going to play it all the way back to the goalkeeper, you usually don't do that from our half of the field. Particularly if there are Chicago players in between you. Right, that's a weird thing to decide yeah. to do. And second of all, he never hit it that hard. He played a delicate, beautiful through ball. So you want to play the clip? Yeah. You wonder if he's trying to pass it to Gutman here. Or I something. think he was trying to pass it to one of the backs. Play the clip. Here we go. Ball's up in there. I think he was just thinking <laughs> one of those center backs was just standing there. <laughs> I mean, so he's offside by a mile, right? Yeah. And, I mean, that was the best delicate through ball I have ever seen. I mean, Ugh. what was that? I don't know. I mean, if you had been paid off to throw the game, you wouldn't have even made a, a ball that obviously bad. Yeah. No, and I, I think <laughs> up until that point, Chicago was so bad that even though I said they were going to come back and tie, which they did, I was like, I don't know, maybe not, because they're just so bad. They, <laughs> yeah. they were missing, like, Yeah, I said and, it's going to take something. We're going to have to give them something even better. Yeah. And we did. We gave them a breakaway. Now, in fairness, he didn't score in the breakaway, but then we still were scrambling around, and we gave up the rebound and, and the goal. But I have to say, as bad as their goal was, our goal was one of the worst defending I have ever seen in the MLS. The one right? that the, got bombed down to Lennon and he cut it It's a back. beautiful cross ball to Lennon. Yeah. And Lennon just gets to it right before it's about to go over the end line. And he plays it back. And it goes 
right through the defender's legs who's trying to do I don't God knows what. And he kind of like stumbles over his own feet, trips, and then the ball goes through his this legs. This is the first, the first goal. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I almost had, couldn't believe that that was not on purpose that he was trying to give us a goal. Yeah. Like, maybe there was some betting going on in this game, and <laughs> Chicago was, like, paid off to give up the first goal, and then some other bet about halftime, wait a second, you had to give, and then we had to give them a goal? I mean, this was like the Keystone Cops. Oh, it was, I mean, it was absolutely, we, we, they gave us a goal, we gave them a goal. I mean, it was horrible. Yeah, tough, tough game to watch. Uh, so, what else in terms of, like, just calling out some players here, right? So... I feel like Parata had a poor night as well. You you mentioned Josetu being uh, Parata was awful. His defending was awful. The playing out of the back was awful. He gave away one ball. Like yeah, time to give. He his, just passed it right to them. This right? is this is the moment where you you are Pineda, right? You're like, hey, we brought in Abram. Unless he's doing something shambolic at practice that we don't know about, he might be really bad. But th that's the thing. We don't have the confidence to say that that you know. I mean, with some of our coaches you would, that we've had, you would say, at least you have the confidence in the Italian talent evaluation. You'd say, look, clearly he's not seeing something in practice. But we have too many times seen somebody stay in the starting lineup for a long time, yeah. and then the person who comes on eventually is way yeah. better. The obvious example of that being Gardino for Rios Novoy, yeah. goalkeeper. And, and this is, and I think this is going to be a classic example of Pineda, again, sticking with the lineup that it got got the win he didn't see anything wrong with uh parata having an off game and that warranting a change right mm. he goes back Going to future, his future yeah he just goes to his comfort you know there's comfort in the consistency of you know i have to say when i saw the starting lineup i was like look that's like yeah. one of our best teams we've put out in a long time yeah. right i mean it had sosa instead of ibarra it had yakamakis and almada back it had her back for um, it was pretty close. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't have. Yeah, but we've have always have said we, we've always said we wanted to borrow over Jose too with with Sosa and Abara. Yes, and then let let Almada be our tag. Right. So that's what I was said. Abara would have been the guy for Jose too. Um, but other than that, we had pretty much you know, and I think to be honest, as much as we paid for Etienne, Wiley's a much better player. Yeah, and he really should be starting over Etienne. To me. I would have said Wiley and Araujo, even though Araujo has been awful recently, yeah. um, over uh, Etienne, both. What did you think of the goalkeeping? <laughs> uh, well, you know. I mean, Westberg was fine, right? Westberg was absolutely fine. I have no idea why he went out. Like, did you see anything? They said it was a leg injury. That's the only thing Yeah, I, but I did you read. see him get a... No, I didn't see anything. I don't. I don't know... I don't remember him getting clouded. Whether he, or he got a knock, which hopefully he's got a you know, more of like a bruise type of thing than a muscle issue, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, you got to figure it's not good because you know he knows Guzan's out. He knows he's the starter, right? He ain't coming out unless he really has to, right? You're gonna be gutting it the whole way, right? Yeah, and then you know it's just it certainly looked like more individuals were also off in their game, like Gutman, who's pretty reliable. Fair to say he didn't have yeah, his best Goodman performance. Yeah, had a terrible game. Uh, which, the other thing we noticed right off the kickoff, I mean, you and I both turned to each other and we said, is Omada, is his head already in Napoli? Yeah. I mean, the rumors out there are that he's going to Napoli, right? 
and um, it looked from the very beginning like that. He was kind of yeah, a little showtimey, little. He wasn't quite moving as much as he usually is. It wasn't really far off, but yeah, there was something that was was off in terms of his energy. Yeah. Um, he didn't look like he was out to prove something like he normally is. And, uh, you know, again, uh, another example of a player who has been nothing but amazing the last handful of games. Now, he instead of being an eight, his performance was like a four. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, yeah, so Etienne didn't stand out. But, again, maybe that was because of the space being occupied by Gutman. Uh, Araujo was pretty damn quiet. Uh, Miles was, was decent, right? Sosa, Sosa was decent. Robinson and Sosa were, thank God, good because that's the heart of our team. And they, you know, that's what kept us in, you know, the game the whole time. Um, yeah. Um, I thought the subs, you know, we could talk about the subs, right? So Wiley came on for Etienne, um, and Barry came on for Papa Giorgio, Right. And I thought everybody say, oh, I'm so worried about Yakimaki's, his hamstring or whatever. If I was looking at the clock, he didn't really have any knock or whatever. He didn't like I didn't see him holding it or whatever. He kind of looked up at the clock and just sat down. I think that that was a premeditated sub from the very beginning. He definitely did a a second thought about whether he was going to sit. Okay, Uh, I saw him do that. He like. I was like, oh, is he going to sit down? And then he didn't. Cause, but I saw the body language. Okay. Like, he was going to take a seat. And then he didn't. And then he chose to. So you might be right. Um, but I hopefully it wasn't him also being like, uh, do I want to try to play through this little? Yeah, could be. Do I want to play through a this little, little bit of both. tweaky feeling I'm feeling? Or should I be responsible and sit down? I That's how I read it in real time is that he was feeling like, hey, I don't want to do the full tear. I'm going to go talk to the talk to the uh the guy after i ice this and try to not make this like a you know eight 12 week type of hammy pool yeah but and and then obviously almada came off just minutes later so it all looked like it was all like coordinated now i would say almada's was certainly a a rest move right because he's coming off a i presume it's all because they have slight injuries and they wanted to get him off wednesday the other thing would be wednesday but if that's true, I can't see imaginably anybody resting our players to for Memphis on Wednesday night. I mean, no offense to Memphis. Did we lose to them in the preseason? No. Or I thought we did. No, we wrong. played Chattanooga in the preseason. Okay. That's and that right. was, we lost to them. It was like them. tied okay. the starters like two two in the first half. Right. Yeah. Chattanooga's a way better team than Memphis. Okay. Um hey, it was Chattanooga. <laughs> All right. But anyway, so yeah, that, uh, I can't see resting that. So if that's the reason, um, just, but the other thing I'll say is that you know we saw again what I think is poor player evaluation because Papa Georgia comes off whether it's because of the injury or whether it was premeditated, it doesn't matter, right? And he brings on Barry when obviously the choice should be Machop Chol. Now you would say, oh, he brought on Machop Chol just a few minutes later, but it doesn't make any sense. Machop Chol, I think, to be honest, when he played out wide as a winger, eh, he looked at to me. The only time I've ever seen him play really well for Atlanta United was in the preseason where he played as the sole striker. Yeah. And so to me, 
that looks like his natural position. I love that. Yeah, I do right? too. So he's physical. He's strong. He takes players on. He can lay on a good ball. He can score. All these things look really good. So he's got to be really hard to defend. Yeah, too. like he he's, physical. he's physical. He's got a yeah, weird, he's a weird physique. He seems like a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, a nightmare to defend. But what I this is what I'm getting at, right? Because he brought on Barry for forward, and then he brought on. Cho behind him in the attacking midfield for Almada. So if you look at those two players' strengths, right, you would have said the thing about Barry. You mean the one player's strength? Well, Barry doesn't have many strengths, but if you look at his weakness, it's pace. Yeah. Right? So why in the world would you put your less pacey player up front to try to run by people and your more pacey player in the midfield where there's nowhere to run? Why? I don't know. I want to get back to this. What's because they're both tall. They're both physical. One's fast. One's not right. So if you're looking at those two players and you knew you were going to make those moves, right? Even though, even if you say, forget how bad Barry is and he never should be on the field. But if you were going to do that, Cho plays up top and Barry plays in behind him to hold up the ball and maybe play yeah. Cho through. Okay. So I was going to ask you, what would be, Miguel Barry's potential strength. You're saying he's he's a big physical guy. Yeah, but he never got back to hold. You know, to, he never had movement. He to never hold moves. It up. So if if so, you if you don't move, it just be a big cone in the middle. If it's just going to come to you. There was a guy who used to play in the middle who never moved. Who was really really good, Carlos Valderrama. Yeah. At the end of his career, he never moved more than ten yards anyway. But he could hold up a ball. He was super physical and he could find the next guy. So I don't know whether our I'm not, I'm not comparing I, Barry to I've played, I've played against I know you have. That's a good, good story from the Charleston tournament. Yeah, yeah, and maybe you should tell. But what I was going to say is that if you look at those players, you know, you can get away hiding non-pacey players in the middle. I mean, Manchester United is a perfect example. They, they bought Weghorst. And Weghorst turns out to be slow, too. But Ten Hag, who I, I think Weghorst should never be on the field either. He's like Manchester United's Barry. But... Well, at least he had the decency to realize he's never going to run by anybody and he doesn't finish with his head. So that's the other thing. If you have a guy who really goes to the ball and yeah. he doesn't, and Barry doesn't either. So he dropped him in the hole and played behind where he could hold up the ball and try to play it through. And where also he's really kind of disruptive with his long legs as, a, as you know the first line of defense in the attacking part yeah. of the field. And I'm not saying we should do that, but that's the only possible role I see for Barry. I see the only role for him is to be cut. Yeah, well, I agree too. I, 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 I mean, I, I, cut him tomorrow. I don't want to be harsh. I would cut him tomorrow. He's he's wasted space in the team. I mean, I've seen enough. Like, and I don't know what I mean. I agree. Great opportunity against a bad Chicago team, yeah. and nothing. You can't give me any sort of memory again. Yet again, it's like the third or fourth time. Yeah, you know, it's getting fiery around here. He's heating up, but. <laughs> That's pretty easy to get pissed off about that. Even average Joe can figure out that Miguel Barry is not having an impact on this team. He's not having I mean, anything on this team. I mean, Paul Mullen, right, ah, is in that the, guy. you know, was in the National League, which is, yeah. for those listeners who aren't familiar with European football, that's five divisions down from the Premier League. Would... Be, I mean, come on, he would light it up at Atlanta United, wouldn't he? Would he Paul not? Mullen, yeah, Paul Mullen. Oh, I mean, he would be great in the MLS. I'm surprised yeah. that somebody hasn't made a run at him. Yeah, 
Because he's a terrific player. Why would Paul Mullen leave? Dude, he's like the. I know, he is right in right the best and he, situation. And he's close. I guess he's. Uh, he's from there somewhere else. I think he. Yeah, he's. he's I think he's got some there. connections with that area where you know, that was definitely a life change. That uh, yeah, oh yeah, we should cut him tomorrow, Miguel Barry. So I have sorry. only one other thing to say. There were two moments in the game where we were defending like a set piece, and Yakamakis was back. And interesting enough. On those plays, we won the ball, and immediately Lennon and Gutman went flying up. And Yakamakis realized that the ball was potentially going to turn over, and he, and he covered in for Lennon and Gutman, which is A, remarkable. But B, in the second one of those two examples, which is in the uh, 55th minute, I don't know whether it made the highlight package because I forgot to check, but... In the 55th minute, if you've recorded the game, you can go back and look. So, Yakamaki stays back for um, Gutman. He goes forward. We do turn over the ball. They start to play in. Gutman's like, oh, crap, and starts running back. Gets back. So, to release, you know, Yakamaki's again. And he runs right into the middle to stand next to Parata. And he left three players wide open behind him. We used to talk about this with a certain Atlanta United left back who's no longer with us, who's in Europe. Remember? That's in in Europe? Yes, he moved to Europe. He was on the national team. He finished in a World Cup qualifier. Oh, uh, Bello. Yes. Yeah. George Bello used to run all the way back, and he would leave guys open and run right by them. Yeah. Right? And I've never seen Gutman do that. And he was having such a bad day that he did that. And thank God we blocked the cross because there were three guys standing yeah. behind him wide open. Yeah. So what else do you want to talk about in this game? Because I think we've, we've talked a lot about the, the game, which only had a few interesting moments. We obviously got the, the header in the, the, last, the last minute of the game. Finally, finally got one of those going our way. Yeah, so at the end of the game, the supporter, I mean, we had nothing. We never crossed field, half, midfield yeah. basically the whole second half. It was awful. And... But we gave up the goal. We only had at that point, Wiley was like the only offensive player was still on the field, right? Yeah. I mean, I, we don't include Barry. <laughs> and, and so we were like, and all the players were like, oh, crap, I guess we have to go forward. Like, as because they were parking the bus yeah. and trying to get us into the next, you know, into the next game, right? But they were like, oh, we got to go forward. And to be fair, Wiley twice almost single-handedly drug us forward and got us corner kicks. And as soon as they got us a corner kick, the Mercedes-Benz faithful got fired up, and you could see the players were really wanting it, yeah. right? And we had a chance to score. And I will say, we've been talking about it earlier, but in the box on offensive corners, Miles Robinson, Parata, and Yakamakis, who wasn't in the game at that point, that is a formidable three players in the air. We yeah. should really dangerous, yeah, right. And we thought I thought even in that Wouldn't play say on corners, both sides of the field, don't we look better this year compared yes. to last year? And you know what's happened? I don't know because because if it's Pineda, because Pineda always says he designates this to an assistant coach, yeah. all free kicks and corner kicks. But for the first time, we have Lennon coming across on the left side to take corner kicks. Yeah. So to, statistically speaking, right, the there's actually almost a 10 percentage increase better in, increase in, in goals on inswingers, right? And obviously somebody's yeah. realized that, and it was Lennon taking those corners at the end of the game, and he hit, to be fair to Lennon, who we've, you know, been so questionable, 
about they were phenomenal corners, and we yeah. of course always said his ability to deliver a ball is yeah. phenomenal. It's just the, the scenario in which he's doing it, right? Are people crashing the goal? It's just the and the, the, a, the thought process that's is going just, forward. But that's just it. And on a corner kick, you can create that little mini crash on goal oh. when when an in swinger is coming in, right? And have your big men like Parata right. and a Yakamaki. It's like just that's a that's a nightmare to defend. And last year, where we had no dynamic at all. Yeah. The only goals that we scored were basically yeah. set pieces to Air Juan Parata. Yeah. <laughs> it was like five goals, right? Last year. But also, Dave, we haven't given up a lot of goals on corner kicks this season. No, well, we don't right? have any more zonal marking. Okay. I, mean, I mean, not to say there's I've, no. I've been meaning to ask you about this. So. so, we do have one or two players who are zoning within that, which is what you should have. Yeah, which you've always said. Yeah, we always should have. But two, we yeah. have other guys marking up. And. I'll be dang. We don't give up goals anymore, right? So that's good. You know, so anyway. So uh, Pineda and the team going forward, um, what what is your optimism? You know, I feel like there's these moments where we're just, we've kind of flattened out. Like not, there's not a lot convincing. I know we have a good starting record. It's great. I'm so happy for the team. But these games leave me, you know, I, I, I'm just not a lot of confidence with just the style and identity of our play. I mean, I think when Yakamakis is firing and Almada is firing, it's fun. Like those moments, there's lots of fun moments in these games, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that there's an overall identity that was like in 2018, man, you felt it. There was a style of play. It came most games, like we had ugly games in Tata too. They're easy to forget yep. since, since we won. When we lost the we supporter the shield to yeah. Toronto on the last day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, there were some ugly games we yep. had then too. Those are easy to forget. But I feel like, man, even with all these wins, we've had some dicey uh, W's and ties for that matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were asking about, you know, how do you watch a soccer game? Yeah. Um, and this is not like, you don't know how you're watching a soccer game, but... What we wanted to explain to you a little bit is, you know, what we see and what we're looking at when we watch a soccer game. So, for example, you know, a couple of things right off the kickoff. Right. The first thing I look at. So one thing that you need to know when you're watching a soccer game, you know, to try to I mean, sometimes you're just watching to like root the hell out of your team. And that is, yeah. that's fine. Like, I'm not I'm not criticizing anybody's yeah. out there, but I'm just trying to you know, inform in case you're interested in seeing a little bit more of what's going on tactically. So, um, so one, one thing I'll say is you always have a comment right at kickoff yeah. because I, you always can, you feel like you can glean something about the mentality and the setup that's been driven by the coach before the whistle even blows. Well, so one thing you can see on a kickoff, right? So on a kickoff, the team lines up in a certain formation, right? And you can see in a kickoff what formation they're playing. So the first thing, if you're trying to figure out how a game's going to go and how we're doing, is you want to know what formation both teams are playing. And I'm not talking about what the television commentators tell you the formation is because as we talk about a lot that often does not reflect at all what the actual formation is right. but when you see a kickoff in you know you often see the players standing where they're going to be right and you can really tell what the formation is so um you know one thing i have taken to doing is taking a quick snapshot and kickoff you know uh, and i know what it is so i know exactly are they playing two up top? Are they playing one up top? Are they playing four in the back? Are they playing three in the back? You can often see that. 
just by watching the first 20 seconds of the game. So what did you see at this the start of the Well, you know, when I was watching Atlanta United, (laughs) the the first thing I noticed right away is Gutman and Lennon were were pushed up. So normally, if you're playing a back four, you look at a starting lineup, and they're pretty much a straight line across the back four. And you didn't see that right from the beginning. So the two were back, and Lennon and Gutman were both ahead of them, right? So that already tells you something, right? Um, You know, the other thing I was going to say is that um, so, so that's a good way to start. So once you know what the lineup is, then you get a sense of what people are doing or whatever. The other thing I would say, and I say this a bit to, you know, coaches, even at MLS coaches is stop watching the ball, right? Because 90% of what happens in a soccer game is actually stuff that occurs off the, off the ball. So, yes, you want to watch the ball to see what they're doing in those key moments of the decision they make when they score a fantastic goal. But you should be constantly glancing a little bit off. And this is why I love live soccer. Because on TV, you can't always see it. They don't have a wide enough angle often where you can't really see what's going on. So, for example, if you watch Atlanta United in this game, right from the kickoff, there were multiple times where Lennon and Goodman had gotten so far forward that we had, again, all three of our normal forwards and those two all in a line. There were five, Yeah. right? And as soon as you see that, you and I were looking at it and we were like, nobody moving. Where, and where do you have to go at that point? Yeah. Do you, when you have five players across their back line, automatically that means you have one place and one place only to go, which is back towards your own goal. Yeah. Right, you if you run forward, you run offside, yeah. and you saw because trying- Yakimakis was right along the lat guy. He took off and he went right offside. Yeah. You got to play amazing ticky tack, super fast to break that little tiny offside, and it's so hard to do. Yeah, it's it never. It's almost like it's like trying to score from outside the uh, the. 18. And same thing, you know. I always take a quick look. You know, as we're getting into offense when we're about to swing in a a cross or something like that i always take a quick look at the back and in particular i'm looking at how many players we have back and i'm looking at where the defensive midfielder is where is sosa because to be honest when you're mostly getting a cross you think oh that's the time i'm going to score a goal and yeah you, you might score a goal on that but actually where you're probably going to score a goal is you get some play deep in their end. They win the ball. They clear it. And you now win it back. Yeah. That key moment is you typically where you score goals a lot more than breaking people down. So if you're going to score a goal on those key moments when you have forward, you got to be looking and saying, all right, do we have it marked up in the back? So like if they, if we try to play a ball back to the top of our 18 of their 18 and they intercept it, so does that guy immediately have a ball open or do we have it mostly marked up in the back? And do we have our defensive midfielder back in a place where he can go hunting and intercept? Yeah. And if we don't have that, we're never going to pressure and we're probably not going to score that many goals because most goals in all leagues, including the MLS, occur off of turnovers in the yeah. offensive end. And you see that a lot at the end of soccer games for maybe a team that's down a goal or a team that has to get a goal, right? You see them in that posture, right? Because usually the defense is back, right? Um, you know, the way that the ball recycles out and is, is you can see that there's, there's no hesitation from the other team to play it back in. We got some questions. 
coming I in. I think we got a dialogue going on between Carmen and Elliot. In All our right. Chat. Yeah. You so, want to tell um, us about that, Simon? What's going on? Well, so earlier, Elliot was talking about how we should have Wolf over Barry. Yeah. Um, what yeah. happened to Wolf? I was going to mention that earlier, Elliot. Gone. Uh, He's disappeared. He said, Wolf for Almada and Chol for Barry. Sure. I agree. <laughs> so, Dave, what? Let's find another key moment. Like, what's what's another type of moment in a soccer game that you analyze? I don't know if it's a, a set piece uh, or a certain type of transition that happens where it's critical that things happening off the ball need to be in place. Yeah, well, when you're looking for, like, a mistake, so let's say we give the ball away. Like, Parata gave the ball away a few team, few times out of the back, right? So the obvious thing to do when you're watching the game is you say, stop giving the ball away, Parata, right? But before you say that in your head, you have to ask. So anybody who gives the ball away, the first question is, do they have an easy option? Right. Yeah. Right. So if they have an easy option and they give and they miss it, personal mistake, and then they give the ball away, that happens. But that is a very, very different proposition than if they don't have a good option or they are really trying to, you know, their only option is a has to be a spectacular, you know, you know, break the lines kind of ball. Right. You know, and then because then you can, you know, the question is, you know, who do you blame? Like even, for example, on the absolute nightmare of a bar giving the ball away. I think in that case, it was just a bar in a mental case. But before I said that, I asked myself, OK, where was he coming from? Where is he going? Where was everybody else? What, 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 what were the options? Yeah. Right. And so when you are evaluating a play. You have to look not just at the play that happened, but the root cause of it, yeah. right? The number of times where I have seen, you know, Sosa scramble back. And like in the last game, he scrambled back. We were talking about it and he still yeah. got beat, right? And you, everybody's like, oh, look, Sosa's terrible. But the whole play started because Lennon was too far up the field yeah. and Araujo was trying to cover him behind him. And Sosa was the only one reading the danger in that play, Right. And so, you know, yes, if you look at you're just watching the ball, you say, OK, Sosa ended up in the back and kind of got beat. But for, you have to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is Sosa going in behind our right back? Who was supposed to be there? Then you say, OK, Lennon was supposed to be there. Then you immediately look and say, where was Lennon? Lennon was charging up the field and Araujo was behind him. And that's when you and I are like, then that gets to the question of, how do you coach the formation at the end of the game to make sure you're screaming from the sidelines that you have two banks of four? Well, this is the thing when I talk about coaching, right? So this is also not just when you're watching a game, but when you're coaching, so many of what I hear coaching, just when I watch, if I go just watch a game, two coaches I've never seen, right? Even at a very high level, like I was watching my daughter play at Gal, which is the highest, you know, youth women's league. And it's very high level soccer, but I'm listening and watching the coaches. And I would say 90, 95% of the comments are all about what's going on on the ball. Right. And my problem with that is, OK, you can tell people if somebody's running with the ball and they have good options and they don't make a good option, then, you know, you want to say, all right, the better option was here or whatever. But the vast majority of the time, 
the mistake is not made with the person of the ball. The vast majority of the time, it's made off the ball with what options they have, who's timing the run or whatever. So if you're coaching a game, what I would encourage you is stop talking to the people on the ball and only talk to the people off the ball ahead of the time. So if your team is on defense, you should be looking offensively. You know, when I'm coaching my team, when we're defending in our own penalty area, I'm looking a little bit up the field. I'm like, I can't help us in the penalty area, right? So as a defender, Dave, is there anything worse when your teammates aren't creating angles and running <sighs> in space to... Make you don't it, have make, an option. Make it easy for you, right? Yeah. So that's and then, and, and if you've been this way, if you get the ball as an outside back and you've worked really hard, you freaking won the ball, you get the ball and you look up the field, there's no option. You've tried to do either you kick it up the field or you try to do the extra cutback, you get stripped, and now the coach is screaming at your head, right? And you see this all the time in youth soccer. They're like, Why, what are you doing? You're taking too long on the ball. You never should have done it. That is not your problem. That is the problem that you never had a pass. You, yeah. When you won the ball and had your head up, you should have had an option. Yeah. And if you had had that option, you wouldn't have had to do that and, stupid And thing. I think that that's one of, the, one of the few things that even an average player can see that's not happening. If you're like a winger, like bombs down the field, they work hard and the rest of the team's sleeping and no one's crashing the box. You're like, why weren't all those people that were off the ball not going into the box and giving him an option, right? And so don't forget that that happens at all times on the field in little different scenarios, right? Like, yeah. are, are people making the right moves? But even in that case, like, so I've seen cases like, um, you know, with some of the, the girls teams, they have really good forwards, right? So they're, they're under a lot of pressure. You outlet the ball. The girl gets the ball up top, like a long 30, 40-yard ball. Yeah. She turns her player and runs by her, right? And then the other defenders come over, and all the parents and the coaches are screaming, who is the other option in the box? Right. That is not their fault because they played a 40 yard ball just to get it to them. If yeah. you are a forward and you receive a 40 yard ball, you should never turn because by definition, when you turn, you have no help. You need to bring another player into the game by laying it off, make another run. Right. By the time you do that, now the players have the time to get forward. Now, if they're not supporting you, then you should be yelling at them. Yeah. So, Dave. Do you know what I have on my phone here? More, uh -oh. more importantly, <laughs> Simon, to help tee me up a banner here. Uh, I have, it's been a while, some ATL on fire trivia. Okay. That uh, I've yet again <laughs> here we go, people. gone to the depths of the internet to now, find five questions. What is, the, what is the overall topic of the trivia, or is there not a topic? Oh, it's a little bit about some statistics in the history of MLS around cards. Okay. And uh, a little bit of where Atlanta United might be standing out with stats okay. this season. And is it me or is it me and Simon? He's your lifeline. Okay. He's your lifeline. <laughs> All right. All right. So. Got it. First question, more in the stats category. Does Atlanta United have any players leading the league in goals, assists, key passes, clean sheets, tackles one, or interceptions? So that's a yes or no, yes or no question. You got a 50-50 chance. You got to figure it's yes, but it's going to be something weird, right? So, I mean, if you just go through it. So, Yakamaki's, this is as of today. 
I think so. Yeah, I, I okay. went on to the MLS stats website today. <laughs> Don't go to it because you're going you're gonna to give, give away the answers. Uh, so I think Yakimaki's. Thank you, Simon, for trying to cheat. I appreciate that. Um, I didn't see it, but it was very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling up the MLS stats page, Carmen, you got your work cut out getting getting your uh, your producer job back. He's yeah, on it. I know. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so Yakamakis has five, but I don't think that's the lead league. I think that there's one or two players who have six or seven. Not a lot more. He's up there, but so, I don't think he's... So your answer is no. Is is your... No, for just for goals. I'm going through the oh, different okay. stats, gotcha. Mikey right. Dogs. Okay, all right. Yeah, so um, you, you had a lot of stats now, in there. Now assists. assists. Yeah, so... So Lennon is doing well in assists, but I don't know if he's up there. He's, he's not the leader. Um, God help us if he's the leader in assists. Come on, you um, know who the leader is in assists on our team. Almada. Yeah, I know. But uh, I, you meant the league, though. This is for the league. This is for the league, yeah. yeah. So none of our players are... I don't think Almada's leading the league in assists either. Um, I got to say that it's got to be something weird, like... Abara, who's leading our team, I know in recoveries, and he's going to be well, like the lead leading tackles, one interceptions, yeah, clean sheets, key passes. I think the answer. Almada's been so good; he has to have been leading in key passes or assists or something. Although he's been, he has missed one game, but I'm going to go with yes. You're gonna. You gonna back his yes, Simon? Or uh, I think Almada is leading the league in successful dribbles. So there's not that, is that one. That wasn't one. That there's, wasn't one. Oh, key passes was one. <laughs> oh, key pass. Uh, it's so uh, subjective. I think I think we we probably have one out of all those stats. But what, the, you know, the, he's setting us combined, up for failure. What's so. the combined DNA say here? Come he's on. setting us up for failure. <laughs> so so the answer has to be no. But you're like as a third place team. You would think yeah. we would have a leader in one of those categories. Um, now, to be fair, we're not leading the league in goals scored. We're not leading the league in uh, fewest goals conceded. So we're not leading in any of those. So, you know, somebody on those teams is probably the leading scorer or the right. best defensive. So I think the answer is probably no, but for our sake, I have to say yes. Is that your final answer? Yes. The answer is no. Yeah. You were right. Should have gone with your gut. I'm always good at setting you guys up. Yeah, I think right, so. so Almada is actually number two in assists. He's got, oh, he's got, he's got so six, and I who think, was the leader? Do you know? Uh, it was uh, oh, man. I, I had it written down somewhere, okay. and it's not in here anymore. Um, he's got six, six. Uh, he's also third in key passes, Amada. See, I so was on the right stats. So he's he's in in it in uh, two categories, second and third. Okay. And Abara is number four in tackles one. Okay, so I so had, had the three right players categories, in the but yeah. yeah. And I, I had it almost right. I you did. It wrong, you were, you were I, you know, as always off. swayed by my. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the assist leader has um seven. It's. Uh, Guy from Philadelphia Union, Daniel Gazdog. Yeah, Gazdog. He's good. He's a midfielder. Yeah, yeah. real good. All right. So now more of a team-based stat question: Does okay. Atlanta United lead in any categories with goals, assists, key passes, goals inside the eighteen, outside the eighteen, and yellow cards? For sure, goals inside the eighteen. Goals inside the eighteen. Yakamakis and our headers. I mean. 
I would. Yeah, but nobody hardly ever scores outside the 18. And we have a few, like Amada scored from the outside the 18 twice, the free kick, the the, the one he hit both goals in that Mesquite game. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be nice to you this time. So yeah. this could be a little bit of a trick question. It says, are we leading any other teams in these categories? I mean, we're in first place, you mean? As in outright first place. Yeah. Out, uh, outright first place. So we can't be tied. Can't Correct. Be tied. I think the tied. answer's going to be no. Yeah, I would, I would say no. No. Is that your final answer? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's going to stay with no. I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> you don't sound confident, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm going to stay You're with correct. no. You're correct. No <laughs> is the answer. So we are tied in two, ga- two categories. We're number... Uh, tied for number three in goals inside. Uh, oh no, we're tied tied at the top for goals outside the eighteen. That's the only category we're tied at the top. These are ridiculously hard. Tied tied for number three in goals inside, with the exception that the they're 18. yes or no questions, so you have a fifty yeah. percent. But in terms of understanding and yeah, getting yeah. it right to the logic, we're n- number three in goals, and we're number two in assists. Okay, so that's pretty good. When it comes down to the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, like the one where Lennon played it right to the guy yeah. and he tripped and fell and went through his legs and Nakamaki <laughs> scored. I mean, have you ever seen worse defending ever? It was bad. It was horrible. It looked like a, you know, a over 40 league, you know, men's league game. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is now a little bit of MLS history okay. for us. The last three questions. Who has the most yellow cards in MLS history as of 2021? Because I use ChatGPT to find my answers. <laughs> <laughs> Which I assume is probably still relevant. Who has the most yellow cards in history? And, uh, and maybe to make it... Uh, it's got to be Don Dwyer. And, and I'll, I'll also change the question. He's just, been around a long time, and it, there's never been a game he ever played where he didn't get a yellow card. Why don't I change the question and say, is it more or less than 100 yellow cards? What about Michael Bradley? You think... I mean, he's He's played? been around a long, long time. More? But no, or, but he was... He how about going, played his whole season. You got to have a guy who's played their whole career and be angry. For Bradley, he was in he was in Italy for a while. So the so the question is just is it over a hundred? Why don't we change it to is it over or under a hundred? That way, it's at least a fifty fifty. Because finding the I mean, if you can find the name, that's great. But I think you're you're definitely onto the right philosophy there. Obviously, it's got to be someone who's played a long time in yeah. MLS. You'll know the name too. Yeah, it's probably. Um, what should we call it for Columbus, um, who played for a hundred years with the Dreadlocks and the national team? Um, I think he might be on to the right. Beckerman person. nailed it. I'll even just give it to you. <laughs> so now, is it more or less than a hundred? Kyle, he Be- played Kyle a long time. I would say, yeah. I'm gonna go with over a hundred. Why not? A hundred and eight. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of yellow cards. I'm even proud of that. He played the longest in MLS Yakimakis might be. And he was a defensive midfielder. If Yakimakis keeps up the same pace, he could get there. If he, <laughs> says, get there. If he says true. All right. And then how about the same question for red cards? Ooh. Red cards? It's hard. Not that over, red cards. over or under 10? Why don't we just start there? Probably, you know, Wayne Rooney had one season, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, over or under 10 red cards? Well, our leading contender is definitely Dom Dwyer. Um, he's definitely been <laughs> sent off before. Um, 
Who would be a red card? Ten? That's way too many. In the early days, it was probably one of those like DC United players, like Echeverry or um, <clears throat> Harks. <laughs> He's probably sent off for me, jerk. Um, oh, Elliot got the last one. He said Beckerman. Oh, oh I nailed it. Elliot's, uh, Elliot's sharp, man. He, uh, can I say what Elliot guessed for this one? Okay. Well, he's probably looking it up, though. No, El- you should ask him. He's just not, write him he, back he, in the comment. Are you looking it up? He's not looking it up because that's not the answer. Oh, okay, good. Then we know. But oh. Bedoya is... He's, he guessed oh. Bedoya. Bedoya. No, not- no. Bedoya hasn't been sent off that much. Bedoya's actually a nice guy. He's yeah. only gotten sent off because he's been really old and he makes some bad tackles now. But in the early part of career, he's never, never got sent off. Over uh, or under 10? 10's a lot. I'm trying to think who are the how many angry red, people. How many red cards... Uh, do you think I have it silverbacks? It's definitely over 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There we go. Got one last Wednesday. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, God, who are the angry players for a long time? I don't know of a player who, I mean, usually you have guys who are known as having reputations, you know, like Sergio Ramos for Real You're dragging Madrid. this on too long. You want me to give the answer? Just, just, just say no. It's, well, I want to take a guess at least at okay. who it might be. I'm going to go with Dom Dwyer. No, it is Jameson Olav. Olave. Don't know. Don't know who that is. Uh, Olave, who played center back, spent most of his MLS career with Real Salt Lake, but also oh, played for the why. Red Bulls and the Dynamo. Because I never watched Salt Lake. Over or under 10? Over. Correct. 13. <laughs> wow. 13 That's Reds. A lot of red cards. He must have been a proper yeah. Brexit. Center back, <laughs> Dave. This this is this last question for MLS history is right up kind of your alley for for stats, right? Okay. Based on win percentage, what coach in MLS history is the worst coach? Oh, I thought you were going to say the best. That would be Bruce Arena for sure. Probably right there. Uh, who is the worst coach in history? <laughs> oh, it's got to be uh, the new San Jose coach. Unless that's changed, because again, this question is based up to 2021. Almaya. But during his oh. tenure, this this coach was uh, a coach was terrible. from 2012 to 2017 at New England. Oh. At New England? Who was... They had, they had Brad Friedel. He did awful. Was it Brad Friedel? He wasn't that was that long. Is it is a player? <laughs> is it used to play in the MLS? Yeah, um, who is it? Jay oh. Heaps. Oh, Jay Heaps. So yeah. dur- during his tenure, he won seventy five games, drew forty three, and lost eighty one with oh, a thirty three point nine percent winning percentage. <laughs> Does he coach um, Chivas now, or you know? I don't know. I didn't look that up. That's what that's what Elliot said. So the guy who Elliot, you're gonna have to look it up and find out. I don't have access to. Oh, I guess I do. I have these this fancy phone. But um, the first guy who coached Shivas, you know, before Bradley. Uh, I don't know. So there was an ATL and fire trivia. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I think I'm terrible with names. So do you want to talk? And close things out with a little bit of European football talk yes. with Simon. And for the for the listeners, uh, Elliot, if you have any sort of European football questions, we have the big whiz. Throw it in. Doing the producing today, which is Simon. We'll yeah, bring so I want to ask about a couple of things. Mikey Dobbs is going to get the camera on our big European football correspondent, Simon Katz. Um, 
So we want to talk a little bit about Premier League and the end of the season. Who's going to be relegated? Who's going in Champions League spot, etc.? Who's going to win the title? And a little bit about Champions League football. So which do you want to start with, Champions League or Premier League? Uh, let's start with the Prem. Okay, the Prem. So, so right from the top, we'll give you the easy, you know, so obviously Arsenal is still technically in the lead. Manchester City has two games in hand. They've got the big game this weekend. How do you see this weekend going, and how do you see the title going? Um. Well, I think this weekend ends in a tie, even though I know that it's at – it's at the Eddie had, which is City's home ground. Yeah. Um, but I think that Arsenal's gonna be too like fired up for that game. And I think they're a good enough team to not get overrun. Um I'll take like that, that bet, by the way. Didn't, I think there's I, no chance. There's didn't a tie. I bet you that they would win? You bet me that Arsenal's gonna win, which is a terrible bet. <laughs> That's a no. Uh, Even though I'm a Wolves fan, I have I used to be prior to being a Wolves fan. Which, by the way, is like 25 years ago as yeah, an Arsenal right. fan. So I still have a lot of Arsenal gear. So here's the thing, you know, as we were talking about a little bit last week, right? So Arsenal doesn't know how to park the bus. And if you go into the Etihad and you try to play with them, like, there's just no way, right? I mean, there's absolutely no way to play well, with them. That's why my bet is... Like always, it's not, it's not using logic, right? Like you're using logic, which makes all the sense in the it's world. Watching the, the game, <laughs> but I think sometimes the energy and and just just the feel you have to have, like you know, this is Arsenal's last punching chance to, from what by all accounts is a great season. Yeah, but that makes Such it worse. That makes it worse because they're just going to be fired up, as Simon was saying. They're going to go after it. You cannot go into the Etihad and go after them because all you do is open up space. And you, if you want to go toe-to-toe to Manchester City, you're going to lose. They are a better team than anybody in the whole world. Uh, maybe Real yeah. Madrid you know, is going to play against them, yeah. but I don't think Real Madrid can hang over. Now, Real Madrid could beat Man City because they're not stupid enough. Ancel- Ancelotti is not stupid enough to go toe-to-toe with them. He's never going to go at a wide yeah. open game. The only chance to beat them on the road is to sit back, absorb the pressure, and try to hit them on the counter. Now, it, I would be surprised if Arsenal does that. I think they have a fighter's chance. I think they will ultimately succumb too because it's just not, they haven't done it all year. So if you're Arteta, you're screwed because if you go toe-to-toe with them, you're getting killed. If you sit back, you might hang in there for a while and you might catch him. You could even tie or beat him, right? But they're not really ready to play that. So I think they lose that anyway just because they're just, they just can't do that. Yeah, uh, but I agree. I think they, they can't go over their skis here right from the get-go. They've got to play snatch-and-grab football, right? I at think the, you got to sit back and, and yeah, and punch snatch-and-grab. Snatch yeah. yeah. That's that's what you got to do. And they have a lot of – they have a team that – they have the attacking talent to do yeah. that. I really don't think they have a back four to sit back and absorb pressure. They're just not good enough. So, Simon, what what else is happening in Europe right now that's exciting in terms of the promotion, relegation stuff that's, that – you've been tuning into well, well let's keep going down the prem like so so what about manchester tottenham who's going to win that game and who's the top four who gets the last champions league spot 
Well, so um, first I want to put a little fun fact out there. Okay. So um, City actually have not lost at home in the past five years wow. in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's... I like um, it. So good you're, fact. Saying, you're saying my bet wasn't a good one. It was a dumb one. I mean... Yeah. You're saying statistics matter. Statistically mm-hmm. unlikely. Uh, <laughs> um, and so you are wondering about relegation. No, I want to know, first of all, who's going to win a Champions League spot. So who's oh. going to win? Manchester is playing away at Tottenham. Tottenham have only has a bare... They have to win that game. If they don't win the game, if Manchester United beats them, it's over. But even if they do win that game, it might be over. So who do you think is going to... Who's the top... Who's getting the four spots? Well, so I think I see it's going to be City, Arsenal, United, and and uh, Newcastle are going to finish in the top four. Yeah. Yeah, you don't think that Tottenham can come back. No <laughs> they way. sure don't look to be playing with much confidence. <laughs> they got annihilated at Newcastle. I, I turned on the game. I got my cup of coffee. I was like, oh, it's only nine minutes. In. Like, I literally was like, oh, I, did, I of course couldn't miss anything in the game. On That was Sunday morning that that game was happening. And I, yes. I went out there to, like, turn on the game on the deck. And I was, I was like, oh, this must be, like, a dated game. Because it was like three nothing. I was like, I must have tuned into like something on YouTube. Yeah, you did the wrong. And I, and I was like, no. I was like, it actually is three nothing. It is it. actually yeah. in the first. So, they scored five goals in the first sixteen or twenty minutes. Twenty one yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> See our European football correspondent. And our, bo- and our boy Almiron came on after being injured for a while. Yeah. Had an assist, didn't he? Is that right? Um, he played the ball, but it bounced off the defender. So I'm not sure if they credit him with that. So amazing. This is how he <laughs> knows. You. Like you said, he even knows that <laughs> that you. was declined as an actual assist on the yeah. books, but he was involved in the play, which is great. All right. What do you think about the relegation battle? Well, so I think Southampton's their season's done. Done. They're, they're going down <laughs> for Stick sure. Um, the it's, it's pretty close at the bottom. I'm not. I would say it's probably going to be Southampton, Bournemouth, and my last would I. It's close. Who are the other teams in contention? You know, tell us. Well, or so are not really following it. It's um Leeds is in there. Leeds for sure. Everton's in there. Uh-huh. Uh, West Ham's in there. Yeah. Uh, Wolverhampton's in there. They just up. need one more. They kind of need like one more point. Yeah. Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton's on the the the, the, the leading side. The leading. What side. about our leads? Are they going to the Americans? Are they going to survive? Weston McKinney. Do they live to Tyler yeah. Adams? Did they live to see another Premier League campaign? I don't know. I thought they were for a while there, but no, no, no. I think Dicey. they. I think they have a good enough team to stay up. Same with that's what I would say about West Ham is that their team's good enough for some moments of individual brilliance. Do you know who and has the, the most difficult run in? You know, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, but I would say that West Ham and Wolves have the better better teams and quality to stay up than Leeds right now, who's just, they're losing a bunch of games right now. And so while I agree they have talent, the confidence that Leeds has is, is right now. So I agree they got talent, but West Ham and Wolves seem like more stable clubs is all I'm saying. Okay. Um, and there's also Leicester's in there too. Oh, yeah. Leicester. After yeah. firing Rodgers after all that. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, Brendan so, Rodgers sacked again. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna kind of shake out to where it is right now. But I think I think it's gonna be Southampton, Bournemouth, and Everton are going down this year. Everton, wow, that's you don't that's know, a you big don't know your club. statistics. Then when's the last time Everton went down? 
They've never, uh, never been never. relegated. <laughs> that sounds like the Etihad. Wow, yeah. you're calling them yeah. going down. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like it. Bold uh, prediction. So now I'm going to test your knowledge, Simon, on the Uh-oh. other end of the spectrum. Who's going up? Did you watch the game um, today? Did you watch any of the highlights of... One of it's already... Well, so Burnley's confirmed. already automatically... Bur- Burnley's already up. Yeah. So And the second one is already up. Or they can no, today. Uh, so... The third and fourth place teams played this afternoon at three o'clock. I watched it on ESPN Plus, which is one of the teams. The goalkeeper is Zach Steffen at Middlesbrough. So, one of them played in the semifinals of the FA Cup, Simon, against Manchester City. Yeah, which they got was who? hammered. It I don't know a, if they got hammered. Well, it was three zero, but it, it should have been five at yeah. least. Who was that? That was um Sheffield United. Sheffield, and there I think are the other ones going up. Yeah, Sheffield definitely second. Their second place, yes. and Burnley's first. Yes, okay. L- Luton Town is in third. Luton Town, I yeah. Like it. They have, they've never have they been up? And Middles, Middlesbrough is in fourth. Luton Town won today, two to one. Against, Middlesbrough is a big uh, club. Middlesbrough against Middlesbrough is in fourth place. Middlesbrough. I had Middlesbrough going up. Yeah, because right. they score a lot of goals. Yeah, okay. and it was unfortunate. Uh, it was tied one to one, I believe, today. And Zach Steffen came out to stop a guy who's like charging into the box, slid, and just barely, like as the player was like playing out way wide, like hit him and. You had to call it a penalty kick, but yeah. you also have to say it was the right move for Stefan to come out and challenge it. So tough one, and then dives the wrong direction, and the guy just puts it in the opposite corner. Oops. Two to one. Luton Town. Yikes. So that, I think, gives Luton Town a pretty good chance. And I think Middlesbrough also plays like the fifth-place team next, mm. so they, they don't have an easy tough, match in the next run. game. And then they play like one of the bottom teams as their last match. Okay, so now FA Cup, Derby. Mm. What you think? Well, I want a little backtrack here. <laughs> okay. I have another fun fact. All right. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty sure that Luton Town actually has, in order to meet the requirements for Premier League stadiums, they would have to invest $10 million into <laughs> their stadium. To upgrade the stadium, to yeah. To upgrade their You stadium. have to have a certain capacity stadium. That is correct. But that's chump change, right? But because I think you have, like, a... They make so much money by going Yeah, and you have, league, like, right? a, a two-year grace period or something, and, like, they don't be like, oh, you got to have the stadium yeah. tomorrow. Like, I think they do have a grace period. Maybe yeah, we should yeah. look into that. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, FA Cup final... Huge game, Manchester Derby at Wembley. Um, well, I, I have City winning. Um, <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I'm a United fan. Um, but, you know, with both our center backs out right now, and we're just – City have so much momentum. They've won, like, five out of the past five games they've played. But here's the thing. So two things. One, I'm going to, so I'm going to, you guys can take the wager. I'm going to argue, I'm not saying Manchester United is going to win, but I will say that that game is going to be closer than the Arsenal match, right? Because Ten Hag has learned his lesson and he is never going to go up and down with Manchester City. He's going to park the bus and try to counter. And they have struggled against that. Um, now, I think without Lissandro Martinez, who's out for the year, that's a struggle, right? Erlen Holland's going to score a hat trick in this game. Is what's going to happen? <laughs> nope. Um, nope. I would predict 
probably Bernardo Silva to score. And I would probably predict maybe a two to one. But they have win. a lot of games. The final's not for a little while, right? They have a lot of games in between that. There's a lot of madness. So that goes to the heart of can City win the treble? I want to say yes, but the treble is so hard to win. So hard to win. There's so many games played that mm-hmm. yeah, realistically, you, I don't see City winning the treble. I do. When you have an Erling Holland on your team, anything's possible. <laughs> I think they win the title for sure. I don't see Arsenal. I think Arsenal's in collapse mode. Um, and I think if they get through, then I think they beat either. Well, let's go. What do you think about the Champions League last four first? Tell us who's in the Champions League last four. So it's actually um, a Milan derby yes. on one side. Yes. That's pretty cool. Last year before the San Siro gets destroyed. Yeah. So that's pretty. And they both play. In the San Siro. Do you yes, know this? Yes. So it's a derby in the same stadium. <laughs> yep. And they, um, the other side, you have Man City versus Real Madrid. Right. Two of the most successful clubs in the world right. this year. They were both super, super good. So who wins on either side? So I think on one side of the bracket, I think AC Milan is going to be Inter Milan. Okay. And on the other side of the bracket, I want to say City. I think City is a better team, but realistically, I'm going to go with Madrid since they don't really have anything to play for in their league, and they're just going to be trying to full-out send. So where is Real Madrid in the league? They're second place Second, right but they're too far. They're never going to catch Barcelona. They're like 12 points behind, 11 <laughs> points behind. So evidently Messi landed in Barcelona today with lots of luggage. Yeah. Like an absorbent <laughs> amount of luggage, which yeah. might just be him moving his like winter clothes back to Barcelona. Yeah. But I don't know, Simon, what do you think of the rumors of him going back to Barcelona? Uh, True, hype, false? What what's your what's your gut telling you right now on will we see a reappearance of Messi who's gonna completely change what's been instilled the last two years from coaching if he does come back, right? Everything that's been put in place the last two years has to be a race. We're going to figure it out with Messi, who's 36. It's a, my opinion, it's not a good signing. You, It's, I mean, clearly, Chavi wants him. He's the coach. He wants to, you know, reunite with yeah, his old teammate. Yeah, because they're best friends. All the fans <laughs> want him back. I don't think, Chavi doesn't want him. Why would he want him? Because they're best friends. Because they're friends. That's, the friendship is for life, dude. <laughs> if you're coaching a team, Dave, that is completely just broken up by what your philosophy is with everything you've built the last two years. Would you want your buddy coming in? Are you asking me whether I have you on my team? No. Too many red cards. Correct. <laughs> but at, at some age, right, when you get old and bitter, right, you're like, I can't reshape. I can't, I can't reshape my team around Mikey Dobbs. I think that's actually a good analogy. <laughs> like when I'm like 26, maybe you do want to. Yeah. Bring me, bring me over. But no. Okay. Not now. Liability. So, Simon, if Messi is a bad signing, right, maybe you can put the camera on you for a second. Tell yeah. us a little bit about who are the good players that you like around Europe. Who are who would be a good signing? Uh, like any team. Yeah, if you're going to go out and get, you know, well, I was going to say attacking player, but it doesn't even matter. Who do you like? Who are the players you like? Well, Victor Osi, man. 
Yeah, okay. And he, who does he play for? Napoli. Yep. He is... Uh, you think he's going to stay? I mean, they've been a Champions League team. No. No? And they no. Are, Is Napoli going to win the title? Oh, yeah. They're like 13 points clear right now. Yeah. Okay. Or something like that. And and also, however you pronounce his name, Kovrkicielia. Kiv- <laughs> <laughs> no. Who does he play for? He plays for Napoli as yeah, well. Right. And um, so I think... Uh, so you are surprised that Napoli lost to Milan? Oh yeah, I had Napoli in my final against Madrid. Hmm. Um, that was my prediction, but fair. And I thought Napoli got a little unlucky. They didn't have OC men in the first leg, and that hurt them a lot. I'm not, yeah. So Simon, um, another random European football question: Who's this? I think he's in Ligue He's a a U.S. He's Got three citizenships. He's English, U.S., and I think some other African nation. He's rumored to maybe be a striker that the U.S. men's national team uh, could could lure into committing. Uh, he's a like I think right behind Mbappe maybe in terms of goals in Ligue 1. Who's who's this cat? So um, Florence Balogun. He was um, he has like dual or triple citizenship yeah. as you said and. Um, they really the U.S. has been like a lot of the fans have been speculating that he's gonna like join the U.S. since he's eligible to, yeah. and you know they already have Harry Kane and all those other guys over there, and he has like eighteen goals right now in Ligue 1, and he's been tearing it up. He's on loan uh, from Arsenal, so Arsenal back will get him back at the end of the season. Yeah, and um, in this last <laughs> friendly window. They called him up only to the like the younger reserve team, which I don't know. I he thought, showed up in training it for sound, the U.S. national team in yeah, Florida. Because I think it sounds like he was a little disrespected by the English team, which was not yeah. going to give him a chance in the in the senior team. They put him, in but the, you know, he shows up for training in the U.S., which is clearly a message to England. Like, but he didn't play, yeah. so that's clearly a message. Put up or shut up. So if England now offers him a cap, do you think he takes the England spot, or he really is legit about the U.S. Or that was just a tactic to get England interested. I mean, if I were him, I would 100% take the U.S. You can be like, you know, like the greatest striker in the history of yeah. the U.S. You can, you know, you, you would be like an automatic You play starter. at home. He U.S. Has, is playing the in the next World Cup at home. He knows how to score goals, clearly. And we have a very, very good young team. England yeah. does too, but um, we have a very good young team at home. I'm going to say that yep. another three times, at home, at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I if I were him, I would take the USA, but, you know, I am a USA fan. Um, Anybody else we should be looking at in Europe? Um, or anything else you would like yeah, to tell us are, as the European correspondent, there, things that our listeners should know? Are there Yeah, are there any young players that are kind of off the radar that are U.S. players that are starting to make a mark like a Gio Reyna that – you know, have yet to get the buzz, but might be up and coming talents that are in the Bundesliga or some of these other European clubs. Um, USA players. I mean, Weston McKinney. I mean, obviously he's like a big name for the U.S., but he has not been doing that well at Leeds, yeah. which has been a little bit disappointing. Yeah, he's trying to overdo it. It's a classic. <laughs> Classic, you get in there trying to over overprove yourself type of mm. thing. I think what he's doing at Leeds. And yeah. is Tyler Adams back playing yet? 
Or is uh, he still injured? He's still injured. I haven't seen him in any games. He wasn't in the last game. That, that hurts. They, they got he's the, the best player at Leeds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, I have. Um, well, so Bundesliga, big title race is going on right now. Right. Uh, Bayern Munich is actually not in first place for like <laughs> the first time. So what ever. do you think of Thomas Tuchel's coaching then? And should they have sacked Nagelsmann? It was it was a horrible signing. I mean, there's <laughs> Nagelsmann was like, I mean, he had like a stellar record mid season. They were in the Champions League. They were about to play City, and then he just gets like randomly sacked, and they hired two. Yeah, they're in the quarterfinals, and they were still in first place. Oh. And and Tuchel loses both games against Manchester City. Yeah, I got crushed. Right. So then we're gonna end this on an Atlanta United note. Then okay, so we talk about this. Tata Martino, ah. and you said this a while back, is uh, interested in coming back to the MLS course. as a coach. Uh, sign him? Get rid of Pineda? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's an unpopular opinion because we're wow. winning right now, I'm sure. You would never... But with you our would current never fire, dominant form, what never, are you talking about? You would never fire a coach that's being successful. Even yeah. even uh, you know Bayern Munich. You can't fire him. Why not? Bayern Munich fired a good coach. You can't coach. fire a coach when you're in third place. You can't. Because as as much as I think that long-term Pineda is not the answer, uh, you can't fire coaches in third place because that says to every coach that you have yeah. that you don't have any you know confidence in them, right? Yeah. And look, I, I know we struggle to be positive about Pineda, but he's, he's young. He's really kind of the, this is his first full go, right, uh, yep. this season. Maybe he'll get better. Maybe he'll learn from his mistakes. Maybe he'll internalize some of the things. Maybe he'll listen to ATL on Fire podcast. If Maybe you he never already know. is. So we, we are optimists at the end of the day. We're not pessimists. Um, but who do we have next? Uh, we have Memphis at Memphis Kennesaw on Wednesday. Wednesday night. You're going, right? I will be there. I will I not. Think. Is it broadcast on any network? It's not on Apple TV, right? The, the U.S. This I is Lamar. I feel like the U.S. Open Cup is on ESPN Plus still okay. as the rights, but I'm not sure. That sounds good. So what what do you think? Got to win this game, right? It's Memphis. Memphis is a USL team? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cut. We got to win the game. But the question is, so if you're Pineda, and I don't want to start a whole thing about the game, but – you know, what kind of a lineup do you put out? Do you put out your first string and not Miguel Barry? That's all that I asked. Like I did last time. I don't want to see him and in yet, my lineup. There's a hundred percent chance he's starting. hundred percent. I know. Because you're not going to risk Yakamakis in this game. I don't think so. And so and he thinks he's a number two. I would have Chol starting, but yeah. yeah. I think he thinks Barry's better it's than Chol up there. How, and w- w- why <laughs> like i literally i know i mean that was a natural stutter right there because like why like, what? he's heating up i just want to go to bed gosh yeah miguel barry like i so really, he's gonna start for sure i think you're right i would guess i mean if if he doesn't give hernandez a start then he's truly cruel yeah Right, um, because Lennon's played and played and played and played, and you would, and this was this would clearly be a great chance to give Abram a start. You would think, yeah, even, even if you're start. like not punishing Parata, like, hey, um, you could communicate. I'm giving you a rest. This is we should be able to beat. Let me, well, let you me presume see Abram, it's going to be Abram and Parata, and Robinson's going to get the rest. Yeah, which, that would make with the injury yeah, last yeah. year. He needs you know get him yeah, off his l- feet. Less time. That makes sense. I agree. But yeah, you see what Abram's about. Um, then Parata doesn't feel like he's being 
you know, next. You um, could um you could also give the young center back another shot. The Cobb? No. Cobb. Your you dad, don't like him? Not, not with fair. Abram as a Peruvian national who hasn't played a game. Hello. Like, yeah, but it's on. a pretty low-risk game. It's right? Memphis. It's Memphis. Yeah, but so that's what I say. You know, I still want to walk all over Memphis, and yeah. so I need to put out a team that's a respectable right. team. So, but you want to rotate people? So, so okay, when, when we're up 4 nothing, bring in Cobb for yes, Prata. for sure. Yeah. I, as let, soon let as we him. get up by two yeah. goals, Cobb should come in. I, I think that's fair, sure. yeah. So for sure, but that. I don't think he should start. Yeah, I agree. Um I would start Sosa because he hasn't been playing that many minutes. Keep getting him in form, and that yeah. helps you solid, anchor solid the to whole get the win out team. Of the gates, get out, yeah, for then, sure. Then give him a break with maybe somebody, or just leave him on and let him let him come into form a little bit. Yeah, and up, up front, I would have had Chol. Um, I would have probably Wiley. Yeah, be like because Wiley didn't he's, start this last game. Yeah. He's young, like. I mean, he went on an international break, but he, and he did get his first cap, but he played two minutes. So that's not a big yeah, <laughs> yeah. field. I mean, the, the thing about this type of game, Ujo is just so much better. I think, And he, presumably you'll see Wolf. I think you'll see Ujo with two goals if he plays. Yeah. I You know, I worry you rotate too much. Yeah. I think you want to have at least a core of yeah. the team that's going to anchor But I agree. You, you put Wiley on the left, Ujo on the right, Chole up front. Um do you rest Almada or does he play in this game? I wouldn't start him. I I would only bring him on if you're losing or tied. I I agree. Just so keep him off the the field. Let, so then that means Ibarra and Josetu. Let him let let Josetu work out some of his. I'd let Josetu keep playing, and you got to. Yeah. I was gonna. You said Arujo. I would have probably said Wolf, but um, I think Arujo could put a hurting on in the first 20 minutes of this game, and then you take them off. I love, you know, to me, if you have these young attackers, you just dominate the middle. So you take Sosa, Abara, um, and Josetu, or Sosa, um, Sadich, and Josetu. Yeah. Sadich, even in this type of game, should yeah. play well, yeah. But, you know, the weird thing was, Sadich never came on in the last game. He was on the bench. Yeah. I wonder why that was. As Pineda finally lost the Sadich go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly he's, I mean, that's just it. He's, he listened to the new ATL on although, opener. Although Josetu was so bad, it was like, wow. It was like, Sadich yeah. might be better than the way Sadich is better than Josetu. Yeah, right, right. In the current form, that's that's tough. I thought I could count on Josetu to get back in form, but it's not looking like it's it. not good. Yeah. I wouldn't have either of them on the field because I would have Sosa, Ibarra, and Amada as my but starting we, midfield. But we need people in injury moments and rotation. Sure. So. Those two are going to have to battle out. And I will say at this point, Sadik can play it safely backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a I good thing. I think on that note, people, we've talked about it all. We've talked about right. it all. Simon, thank you for coming and filling the gap on the production and a little bit of European football knowledge as we enter the relegation promotion uh, fun times in, in European football. Yeah, and thanks to our sponsor, Wild Heaven. Yep. We saw Nick again at the game. Um, it was awesome to see you, and the beer is still fantastic. Yeah, and thanks for any of the supporters that we got to meet that may be new listeners. Uh, and uh, we will try to get out there again and maybe do like a free jersey giveaway or something. We gotta Coming to you, people. Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Take care. Cheers.